Welcome to The Overflow, the official podcast of The Block. The Block is a thriving young adult ministry of Celebration Church in New Orleans, full of exciting initiatives, faith-filled speakers, a lively community, and most importantly, God's presence. Our aim is that every person seeking fulfillment tunes in and walks away overflowing with knowledge, encouragement, love, and gratitude for the Word of God. We hope that you are both encouraged and challenged by today's conversation. Y'all ready for the word? Ooh. Y'all ain't ready for the word. Y'all ready for the word? All right, let's do it. Let's do it, all right? Uh, so if you're, with, if you're just joining us for the first time, my name is Darius. I serve as the pastor here at the block. Um, love my people. I love that you're here. I notice we have some first-time guests. Can we give it up for our first-time guests who are joining us in the building? All right. This is your first time here. Let me just give you a little bit of backup. We are... This is part two of our series that we're calling Unshackled. And the idea of this series is that we will learn how to be free, learn how to get free, and learn how to stay free. Because we realize that it's one thing for you to get free, but it's oftentimes staying free that's the difficult part. But we believe that if we can learn by way of the scriptures that we can be free and how to stay free, that we will no longer live shackled by things in our life that try to hold us back from moving forward in life, but we will be all that God has called us to be because we've learned how to live free from our shackles. Now, I realized that in order for you to be free, the first thing you need to do is believe that you can be free. And last week we talked about how all of us, if you are in Christ and only if you in Christ, you can experience freedom in its fullness. But it starts with Jesus. Because Jesus said that he had come to set the captives free. And at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord on earth, in heaven, and even under the earth. Meaning that no matter what, there may, no matter what it may be, that's shackling us in life, no matter what it is that's holding us back. That thing has no greater power than the Lord who is on our side. And if only we declared our freedom in the name of Jesus, just perhaps we can be free. If Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave on our behalf, then maybe, just maybe, we can be free. Without a shadow of a doubt, you can be free if you are in Christ. And the first step to your freedom is believing that to be the truth. Tonight, we take the step forward. Tonight, we talk about how to get free and how to stay free. And it's interesting that over the week, I got an opportunity to talk with uh, another minister uh, who does a lot of prison ministry. Um, And he told me something very interesting that I have to share with you. Uh, He told me that there are three types of people that you'll find in prison. He said the first person or the first group of people you will find are the people who want to be free and will do whatever is required for them to attain their freedom. They'll do whatever it takes. They just waiting for the day. That's person number one. Person number two is the person who finds his way out of freedom, out of prison. But yet while he's out of prison, he ends up back in prison. And the reason for that is, he said that the transition from prison to freedom is difficult, especially when you've been in prison for so long. So if you don't plan 
or prepare to live in freedom, then eventually you end up back in prison. That's the second person. The third person is the person who finds a way to stay in prison because he never wants to leave. Because he's made a life for himself within the prison walls. That's, he's learned to make comfortable. He's learned to do life in prison. And so instead of being free, he would rather live the rest of his life in prison. That's the three people. And I began to think about that, and I was like, you know what? I bet the same might be true for our spiritual life. That we, too, find ourselves in one of those three categories. So my question for you tonight is, which person are you? As you came in tonight for part two of our Unshackled series, are you the person who wants to be free and are willing to do whatever is required for you to stay free? So you got your notes open. You got your pen ready. You ready to take all the notes because you came in saying, look, I'm going to get free and I'm going to make sure everything I hear tonight, I'm going to live and walk in it because I want more than anything in my life right now. I want freedom. Are you person number one? Or are you person number two? Are you the person who needs freedom, but because you're not ready to learn, you're going to continue the cycle? So you might come tonight or maybe as you came last week and you're motivated about freedom, but because you don't have a game plan and because you haven't prepared to stay free, you'll be here next week for part three seeking freedom again because you didn't come ready. Or are you the third person? Are you the person who finds a way to stay in bondage, to stay shackled? Because if you're being honest with yourself, you love the chains on your wrist. You love the shackles that has been weighing you down. And it may be holding you back, but at least you're living your best life. At least you enjoying yourself. Or so you thought. Whatever it is in your life that is holding you back from pursuing the Lord with your whole heart, that's what's keeping you in bondage. That's the reason in your life, you might be struggling to stay free. And I always share with people this thing. When, what Jesus has come to do for us, Jesus in his death and resurrection and setting the captives free, it's almost as though Jesus came with a key to our freedom, unlocked our shackles, and then said, hey, now you have freedom. It's up to you to walk away from it. Jesus has given you freedom. It's your responsibility. It's up to you if you want to walk in the freedom that he's made available to you. And the question you need to, to answer tonight is which person are you? Because that depends on what you get out of the series. That depends on if the wisdom of the word of God actually changes your life. Because the Bible says that wisdom, that wisdom is justified by the children. That is to say, everybody who heeds the wisdom in the word of God, they will testify to you that everything that the Lord said in his word is true. That you can trust his word, that if you abide in his word, his word will change you from the inside out, but it starts with you. It starts with the decisions that you make. What I want to turn our attention tonight to is this Egypt Exodus experience that we just finished singing about. Can we give it up for our band one more time? They did such a phenomenal job. I thought we were going to do Egypt for another 10 minutes. Hallelujah. So if you weren't with us last week, it's the book of Exodus that's carrying us through this series. And the Israelites are no strangers to bondage and shackles, for they were in shackles for 
400 years. 400 years. And then God used Moses to deliver them and set them free. And watch this, because I didn't emphasize this enough last week. The Israelites did absolutely nothing to earn their freedom. Nothing. They didn't work for it. They, they, did, they didn't move mountains. They, they, they did absolutely nothing to earn their freedom, yet God freed them anyway. And what I need you to know that the same is true for your life. You did nothing to earn your freedom. But Jesus has earned freedom for you. And the beautiful thing about it is, if you didn't do nothing to earn it, matter of fact, you did the opposite. Because it's our own selves that, that, that has led our, us to shackles and bondage. But because Jesus has freed us through his mercy and his love and his grace, why would he stop extending it to us? Whether you've been in bondage your whole life or part of your life or just in this season of your life, the Israelites have been in bondage for 400 years, and they did nothing to earn the freedom that God had given them. He did it by his miraculous power and strength, and he set them free. As we know, they crossed the Red Sea. Their enemies were drowned in the Red Sea, and they continued to move forward, and then something interesting happens in the story. As they're away from Egypt, they are looking for water and they're looking for food, and God continues to provide it for them every time they complain. Why? Because God is a provider for his people, because God protects his people, especially when they're in need. But Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 is where I want to start tonight, because it's in this passage that we get an understanding of the mindset of Israel as they're being led to their freedom. The Bible says this in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, it said that the Israelites uh, as they were journeying, journeying, the mixed multitude among them had a strong craving for other food that God didn't provide for them. The Israelites wept again and they said, who will feed us meat? We remember the free fish that we ate when we were in Egypt, along with the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, some garlic, Garlic make everything better. Some of y'all ain't eating for real. I'm going to have to invite y'all over. (laughs) Then they say this in verse 6. They say, but now our appetite is gone. There is nothing to look at but this manna. I know you lying. You mean to tell me that the God of Israel stepped into your life and freed you from shackles you could never free yourself from, Because if you could, you wouldn't have waited 400 years to do so. He stepped into your life. He freed you. He helped you walk in freedom. And the moment you find difficulty, you ready to go back? Boo-boo the fool. Goofy. But it tells me a very important thing about the, uh, the Israelites that I need you to see. That even though God had delivered them from their shackles, they were still shackled in their heart. You missed it. I'm a, he, he got it, but I'm going to come to this side, so make sure y'all got it on this side. Even though God had delivered them from Egypt, Egypt was still in their heart. And so they had freedom in the physical realm, but internally they were still in shackles. And this is why for some of us, it's difficult for us to stay free. Because though God delivered us, let me, let me bring it to your house. Because God delivered you from that relationship, later on, you got lonely. 
And you start to think about them. And you was like, hmm, I'm going to just go back because at least it was better over there. Because the moment you got lonely, you was ready to go back to Egypt. You was begging God to, to d- deliver you. You were begging God to deliver you from alcohol. And as soon as God delivered you from alcohol, you got bored because you can't wild out no more. And so you started to be like the Israelites. Man, I remember we used to do them things, them things, them things, them things back in the day. Don't, oh, my gosh, me, y'all know. Why? Because even though you've been delivered from your shackles, you miss them. Because you didn't realize that freedom was going to be difficult. But life is difficult. No matter what season of life you're in, life is just difficult. Life be lifing. But at the end of the day, if God is taking you somewhere, you cannot afford to go back. And what the Israelites needed to do is what we need to learn to do. We need to change our appetite. That's your first point. If you want to get free and stay free, then you have to change your appetite. When I, you know what I, I grew up eating? I grew up eating ramen noodles. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all, you, you know which one I'm talking about. You ain't been bougie your whole life. Stop playing with me. Them ramen noodles, not top ramen. I wasn't, I wasn't, that, I wasn't in the trenches like that. Just the ramen, all right? Them ramen noodles, them chicken. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They come in an orange pack. Uh-huh. Them things used to be hidden in my whole life. Little Tony Sassery, you know. Every now and then some, 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 uh, some hot dog wieners, you just top them up and put them in there. Gourmet meal when you from the trenches. Nah, no, hey. Right? It used, to be, it used to be hidden. It was so good. And then one day, I moved to the city, and somebody was like, let's go eat ramen. I was like, I don't think I like that. I don't even know. Boy, I sat down to eat that ramen. Boy, I changed my life. Ooh-wee. And they got that little egg in there. They put, Ooh, that egg changed the game. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It was so good. I might have to go out to service. I don't know what y'all got going on. <laughs> but here's my point. See, I didn't realize that what I was eating was a counterfeit until I experienced something better. Mm. That's, that's, that's better than ramen noodles right there. And the reason why it's so important for you to notice that is because sometimes in our pursuit of freedom, see, see here's what a lack of appetite will do. A lack of appetite is going to cause you to focus on your discontentment right now instead of where God is taking you. God was taking them to a land of milk and honey. But all they can think about, because they were discontent with the season that they were in, were the bondage that they were in a long time ago. But watch this. They were only focused on the good parts. But the reason why they were crying out to God was because the the, the bad outweighed the good. And they were ready to go back to the little good things and take on all the bad things again. Now, garlic is good, but it ain't that good. It's not that good. Whatever your appetite is tempting you to go back to, can I just tell you, it is, not, it is nowhere close to where God is taking you. It is nowhere close. But your appetite will never remind you of that. And the thing about it is you have to continue to follow the Lord. For, you need to continue to follow the Lord long enough for him to show you that he is better than anything you've tasted before. That when the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good, you need to taste and see that the Lord is good. But in the practical sense, that requires your time. 
That requires your patience. God is not a microwave God. I'm sorry. He's just not going to give it to you overnight. He can, but most of the time he just doesn't. For the Israelites, it didn't come overnight. It came over time. And their impatience was going to cost them because they couldn't follow the Lord long enough for them to taste and see how good he is. And if you're familiar with the story, an entire generation died in the wilderness because of their impatience and their discontentment. And God was taking them somewhere. And they couldn't focus on forward because their discontentment had them looking back. I want to remind you that you need to change your appetite so you can get free and you can stay free so that God can take you to where he wants you to go. Because God doesn't deliver you for no reason. He delivers you for a reason because he wants to do something with your life. He wants to change who you are. He wants to take you from glory to glory to from from glory to glory and faith to faith. He wants to take you to a place of land of milk and honey that you've never been before. But you'll never get there unless you change your appetite. Because your appetite is, go- you know how when you get hangry, you, and you so sweet, and you so nice, and you so kind, but the moment you don't get to eat, oh my gosh, what then came over you, loose in the name of Jesus? Why? Because your appetite and your craving has begun to consume you. And you no longer have self-control to wait for the food that's, that's coming ahead of you. Now you're ready to just take anything because you became discontent. Your cravings have the power to control you, so you need to change your appetite. So instead of craving the things that are unlike God, you can begin to crave the things of God. David wrote this passage after he, he wrote this passage after he made them a, a, a sin that, that radically changed his life. He prayed these words, and I want to read it to you because this is, this, this is the prayer that we need to pray for ourselves. He said, God, and he's pleading. He said, Father, create a clean heart in me and renew a steadfast spirit within me because, Lord, I need a a heart that desires the things that you have and not the things for myself. This needs to be our prayer if we want to stay free. Lord, I need a new heart. I need you to wash me clean because the things that my, my flesh craves is not like you. And I want to be who you call me to be. I want to go where you call me to go. And I need you to change my appetite because it can only happen by a work of your spirit. That's number one. Here's number two. If you want to get free and you want to stay free, you need to keep the right company. Pastor, pastor, pastor. You, you be doing good, but you got to let this point go. We hear this one at least once or twice a month. Yeah. You know why? Because you're still in shackles because of the company you keep. Some of you, the only reason why you're still in shackles is because you're hanging with the wrong people. Listen to me. Everybody who professes themselves to be a believer ain't, ain't the company you need to keep. I'll give you the example. Everybody know I'm a Lakers fan. Everybody know what I'm saying? Okay, shout out to the Lakers. Um, and everybody knows that. And I'm a big Lakers fan, diehard Lakers fan my whole life. My girlfriend has a way of reminding me all the time that I'm not a Laker. Girl, I ain't going to get in trouble. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, let me, let me be a fan. She says, you will never be a fan. I mean, you will never be a Laker until you actually on the team getting the game and they actually send you a check. 
I say, you got a point, but you too loud, though. You too loud. You too loud. And the reason I share that with you is to say that everybody who says that they're on Team Jesus ain't on Team Jesus. Because why? When the last time you seen them check into the game? You ain't never seen them in the game. You go to their Instagram, they not in the game. You hang out with them, they not in the game. When they want to hang out with you, they not in the game. So they say that they are a Christian, but you know that if you wasn't rationalized, they're not a Christian. They don't follow Jesus for real because they're not in the game. The reason why I need you to see that is because what we like to do, we like to rationalize our relationships so we can keep the wrong company. And I'm not saying you have to forsake the people in your life that don't know Jesus. I'm saying you need to keep the right company around you. I ain't saying you can't go visit. I'm saying you can't keep them. They shouldn't stay at your house. That, that is metaphorically speaking. You need to make sure you're surrounded by people who will point you to what God has in front of you and not what God has behind you. Because the people that I'm talking about in your life are the people that call you and they say, hey, we going, hey, we about to go crazy this weekend. You trying to come? Hey, you, you seen old girl? You need to go get on that. You seen, you seen that, that man fine? <laughs> now, he ain't no good. But let me tell you something. Oh, y'all laughing at me, but I'm only repeating what y'all be saying. And this is what, this is what, this is what happened to the Israelites. Remember that it said in Numbers, it said that it was the mixed multitude among them that had the strong craving for the food from Egypt. It was the people around them that wasn't looking forward to what God had for them, but were looking back, that pulled them back, that stole their attention, that reminded them of the appetite that they had for the things that weren't like God, that would ultimately destroying them. It was the company that they were keeping. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says this, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what, do, what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Verse 17 says, Therefore, come out from them and be separated, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I'm trying to tell you that the things in your life that are holding you back likely might be the company that you're keeping around you. You need people who aren't reminding you of what you left, but are reminding you of what God has in front of you. People in your life, watch this, because hear me, you need people in your life who understand that the only way for you to find freedom is if you remain in Christ. Not people who don't understand it. Because everybody that don't understand it, not a bad person, they just don't understand it. If you want freedom for your life, you need to surround people who are going to keep you focused on the freedom that's ahead of you. Because freedom doesn't happen overnight. Freedom is a journey. The Israelites are on a journey. They are in pursuit for freedom. And the things that are holding them back, one of the things that are holding, is holding them back is the people that they are mixed with. Who are you mixed with? You mixed with the right people or are you mixed with the wrong people? But if you get mixed with the right people and you keep the right company, then God's going to make sure that you get to freedom. Here's your third point. Your third point is you need to shackle your ungodly thoughts. Shackle your ungodly thoughts. Because here's the thing. Everybody might not have said it, but a lot of people was thinking it. 
Nobody said it out loud at first, but as soon as somebody said it out loud, we was like, okay, we're going back. Let me give it to you different. Everybody wasn't doing it at first, but since more people are doing it now, and it's cool, we're just going to go back because it sounds good. I was watching somebody on TikTok the other day, and they were saying something from the Bible. It sounded good, but it wasn't good. They were giving wisdom from God's word, and it sounded good, but it wasn't good. That, that they were somebody who the Bible says speaks so they can itch people's ears, so, they can, so that they can share things that people want to hear instead of what God said in his word. And there are thoughts that come across your mind that you know aren't from God. You need to take it captive. Instead of you being shackled, you need to shackle those thoughts that want to hold you back. That, that when you get lonely and you want to go back to your old ways and to your old booze and you want to go back to your own way of living, you need to cap- take captive those thoughts. Matter of fact, um, Paul says, says, says it to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says this, for although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the, dem- for the dem- demolition of strongholds. For we demolish arguments in every proud thing that raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take what? Every thought captive to obey Christ. Why? Because Paul understood if they wanted to continue to walk in the freedom that Christ had given them, they had to take the thoughts captive. Anything that was presented to them, any thought that ran across their mind that wasn't like God and his word, if they didn't get rid of it, it would get rid of them. And they had to take it captive. If you don't shackle your thoughts, your thoughts are going to shackle you. How do you do this? By proclaiming the word of God over your life. Not just proclaiming it, but when you begin to walk in it. Because, again, you got to walk and follow the Lord long enough for him to show you that his way is better than your way. But you got to start, start, ta- start taking captive those thoughts. And here's the thing. You might need some help. You might need a friend to call and say, hey, I need you to help me. You know what that is? That's called keeping the right company so that you can stay free. But if you're struggling in your thoughts and you don't have nobody to call, then you don't have the right company around you. But you can always, always, always call on the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every chain has to break in your life. But you can't just call on him in prayer. You got to call on him as you go. You got to call on him as you go and say, Lord, I'm obeying you, even if it doesn't make sense, because I know that you have given us the path to freedom. And I trust you. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And you don't just get free, but you stay free. And the Israelites, as they began to walk, I began to realize the reason that they had the bad appetite, the reason why they didn't take the thoughts captive that the mixed company that they were keeping was feeding them, the reason why uh, they had the wrong company and bad appetite is at the end of the day, they loved Egypt. They loved Egypt. Oh, and they missed it. As they journeyed, they missed it. In fact, the Bible highlights this in Exodus chapter 32. The Bible says that when the people saw that Moses had delayed coming down from the mountain after speaking with God uh, for 40 days, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, hey, sir, come make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. 
And Aaron replies to them, take off the gold rings that are on your ears, on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and I want you to bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from Israel. He fashioned it in, with an engraving tool, and he made into, into it an image of a calf. Then they said, this is the crazy part, Israel, it's these are the gods who brought you from the land of Egypt. And this is nothing more than a slap in God's face. Because after everything that God had did for them, the, the first opportunity they received, they made an idol God for themselves. You know where they learned this from? Egypt. Because if you study the Egypt during this time, you know that they're a poly, polytheistic nation. And they had many gods. And one of their top gods in their list of gods was it was represented in an image of a calf. And so, in other words, because they didn't go back to Egypt, they just brought Egypt to themselves. On their road to freedom, they said, you know what, we can't go back. We're just going to bring it here. We're going to build what we saw in Egypt here. And my, 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 my concern for all of us is that we will begin to build idols in our own lives as well. And what is an idol? Tim Keller says it best this way. He says, anything more important to you than God is an idol. Anything more important to you than God is an idol. Whatever absorbs your heart or your imagination more than God is an idol. The things you think about, the things that you think about when, no, when you have nothing else to think about, that's your idol. The things that captivate your imagination and your attention more than God, that's your idol. And then he says this, he says, anything you seek to give you what only God can give you is an idol in your life. It's your own golden calf. And you might not build it the way Israelites build it, but you might do to it what the Israelites did to it. In the Exodus chapter 32, it says this, that the Lord said to Moses, go down at once for your people you brought from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. And here's what they did. They bowed down to it and they sacrificed to it. And they said, Israel, these are the gods you have brought from the land of Egypt. They bowed down to it and they sacrificed to it. They bowed, that is to say, they surrendered their lives to it. That instead of lording over the things that they were given, they allowed the thing that they were given to lord over them. And God has given you a lot of things, but he did not intend for that thing to lord over your life. He did not intend for it to rule your life, that every decision you make is filtered to that thing. That all your time is spent up with that thing. No, no, that's for his place in your life that you would go to him and him alone for direction, for clarity, for all the things you need in your life because you realize that nothing else in your life can give you what only God can give you. Israel didn't get this. They missed it. So they bowed down to, watch this, they bowed down to the gift that the gifter gave them. And instead of worshiping the gifter, they began to worship the gift. I got this picture I want to put for you on the screen. It's a picture of a golden calf, but inside of it is the things in your life that might be an idol for you. Do you see something on this screen that has reign and rule over your life? Is there something on this screen 
that you sacrifice for more than you sacrifice for God? Your career, your degree, the relationships you keep, the time you spend. Are you sacrificing to those things more than you sacrificing to God? Here's what you need to see. Whatever your idol is, it's the shackles that are holding you back. I don't, it doesn't matter if you enjoy it. Israel enjoyed Egypt. They loved the customs. It was, watch this, Egypt was comfortable than, for them. Following Jesus was a lot more comfortable. And here's the sole reason I got from Tony Evans said this. He said, the reason that we love idols because idols come with no accountability. Idols don't hold you to a standard. Matter of fact, the only standard it holds you to is the standards that you wanted to hold it to because that's why you created it. But when you come to the Lord, you got to live by his way and not your own way. But when you create your own idols, you can just do what you want. But doing what you want only leads you to bondage no matter how much you love it. It only leads you to shackles no matter how, how long you've been doing it. But when you come to Jesus... And you say, Lord, I understand that I'm selling myself short, but I want everything you call me to. And the idols in my life, they're actually holding me back and not propelling me forward. Here's your last point. You need to begin to rival your idols. Rival your idols. Meaning the things in your life that you love, that you know are, is holding you back, you need to start saying, you know what, I'm going, to start, I'm going to start asking God to take those things out of my life. Because, again, Paul said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, but we have the power and the spirit and the presence of God on our side. And if God be for us, then what can be against us? But we need to start speaking to the things that we love that we know are hold, is holding us back. And the reason why I keep bringing up relationships is because relationship is one of the number one things at our age that holds us back. And you may love said person, but is said person worth where God is taking you? To a land of freedom, to a land of milk and honey, to a land that you can't even imagine for yourself? Because here's the reality. As long as you're loving your idols, you're not truly loving God. As long as there's something in your life that you're bowing to, that you're sacrificing to, that's not the God that we serve, you're, and you're remaining in shackles, and you becoming like one of the people who stay in prison. Why? Because they've, they've learned to love the comfort of being in shackles. They learned to love the comfort of being in shackles. Now, it sounded real bad when we started off, but when you bring it to your own life, you see how easy it can be? That if you're in shackles for so long, that as you learn to love that way of life, and even though you know that there's better for you in the future that God has for you, you'd rather just stay where you are because you learn to love it here. You learn to love your idols. And like you be busy all day and you sacrifice a lot, but like at least you love it. I want you to know no matter how glamorous it may seem, it's not the, it, it, the grass is not greener than where, where God is taking you. That there is more for you in the hands of God than you can ever do for yourself or that anything else can do for you. Because that's the manner of an idol. When you try to, to get something else in your life to do for you what only God can do for you. And so if we're going to rival our idols, you know what we need to do? We need to learn to love God more than anything else. We just got to learn to love him. And you learn to love God by continuing to follow him. And the more you follow the Lord, the more you obey and abide in his word, 
the closer you get to freedom, the closer you get to the land of milk and honey. And the closer you get, the more you realize, man, this is better than I ever expected. This is better than I could have ever imagined. I close with this story. Uh, Tim Keller, I referenced him earlier. Uh, Before he passed away, he was in an interview. And he said, and the interviewer said, you know, Pastor Tim, uh, there's been a lot of people um, who have been pastors, high-profile pastors, who at some point in their life have taken a great fall. We know people, uh, without mentioning names, who have experienced a great fall in their life of ministry, and they were exempt from the, the, the role of leadership in the church. And they asked Tim Keller, what's the secret sauce? What do you do that prevents you from being like them and making those bad decisions routinely behind closed doors? And his, prof- his statement was profound. He said, if you want to not fall into a life of sin behind closed doors, you don't want to go back to Egypt. He said, you got to love God far above anything else in this world. You just got to love him. You got to love God so much that no matter what manner of temptation crosses your life, you will never risk it uh, interrupting your relationship with the Lord because you love him that much. You've got to love the Lord so much that anything that stands up against him and tries to rival him in your life, that you just say no to it because nothing is more important to you than loving and knowing and following the Lord. You need to love him so much that even the things that he has for you in the future is secondary to who he is because you learn to love him. And along this journey, this is what Moses finally realized. He said, Lord, I don't even want to go to the promised land of milk and honey if you're not going to be with me. Because at the end of the day, Lord, if you're not with me, then what good is the milk and honey? But eventually another idol in my life. But Lord, if you remain with us and you continue to provide for us and you continue to keep us, then nothing that stands against us will prosper in your name. And I want to know your ways. That was Moses' prayer. His prayer was no longer, I just want to go to the land of milk and honey. No, my prayer is that I want to know you. Because knowing you and loving you is the one thing that's going to make me walk away from any idol or any Egypt that comes in my life. That's what I want. My prayer for you and your pursuit to get free and stay free is that you would learn to love your God. You would just learn to love him. And the more you learn to love God, the more you realize that your freedom is found in him and him alone. Because who the son says free is free indeed. And your freedom is in Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet because Paul said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But I want to do, as we close tonight, having heard just a few things that you can do to stay free in your life, that you respond to the word in obedience and you get free. You get free because somebody died for you to be free. That he loved you enough to set you free. 
walk in that. Not in shackles, but in freedom. As our life group leaders come to the front, I'm going to lead us into a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much because you stepped into our Egypt and you took us by the hand and you followed us, you led us, Father, you led us into freedom that we could never attain for ourselves. God, we've been in bondage for so long. But God, we want to taste your freedom. We want to taste your goodness. We want to know it. Lord, we want you to give us new, uh, a new appetite. Father, we want you to help us keep the right company. Father, we want to help you. We want you to help us to walk in your ways. Father, we want you to help us be everything you called us to be and experience the life that you've died for us to live. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Father, we want to give you our hearts because we want to love you. Lord, we want to begin to rival the idols in our lives, the things that are holding us back from growing closer to you, who is our freedom. So, Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, Father, would you just begin breaking the shackles in our heart? God, would you begin even right now to take, to, to, to take all the thoughts captive on our behalf, Lord? That by the power of your word, Father, that we may realize that we can and do have freedom in you and you alone. Father, that no weapon that forms against us can prosper because you are on our side. Father, we submit our heart to you so that we can love you forever. We may not be bound by shackles and, and, and cycles in our life, God, but we may walk in love with you. Help us to love you better so that we can experience a life of freedom in a better way. This in your son's name, Jesus, I pray. If you were encouraged by today's talk, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. You can keep up with us by following our Instagram by searching at the block NOLA. Again, thanks for listening to the Block Podcast.